walking that fine line between the Oscars and the MTV Movie Awards, it's Hollywood's Smallest Night, the 2021 High on Film Awards. And here are your hosts, Chris Maxwell and Brad Davis. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Please sit down. Sit down. We've got a long show ahead of us. Chris and I couldn't be more excited to have been asked to host the first annual High on Film Awards, a show we created and produced completely by ourselves. 2020 was a great year for movies, but a terrible year for theaters. But instead of boring you to death with contextual details of the film year, let's kick things off with a bang. It's your parents' favorite part of making love, Best Climax. And the nominees for Best Climax in a movie are... Minari, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Promising Young Woman, Judas and the Black Messiah, Soul. All our winners tonight will take home their very own Felix statue, a solid gold replica of Jack Lemmon as Felix Unger, Oscar's counterpart in The Odd Couple. And the Felix goes to... Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Congratulations to everybody involved. Those Denzel Washington, August Wilson adaptations will be winning awards for a very long time. Mark my words. You know, there's an old saying in Hollywood, never work with kids, animals, or Jared Leto. <laughs> this category honors two of those groups. The nominees for best child or animal in a movie are Alan S. Kim, Minari, Helena Zengel, News of the World. Evie the Cow, First Cow. Jesse Noah Grumman, The Kid Detective. The Octopus, My Octopus Teacher. And the Felix goes to... Alan S. Kim, Minari. Congrats, Alan. Go crazy and have an extra glass of Mountain Dew tonight. Coming up, some of the year's most action-packed movies go head-to-head -head in the category for Best Punch, Fight, or Kill when the High on Film Awards return. From Los Angeles, California, it's High on Film! Tonight, we've got Chikagunya with Black Swan. I guess that's what makes her so thrilling to watch, so dangerous on tonight's episode. exciting episode of High on Film Sobering. Talk about movies and welcome to our celebration of the Academy Awards. It's our Oscar Spectacular Part 1 Oscar Throwback Edition. I'm Chris Maxwell, your host, and with me as always is the man right to my left, the podcaster of disaster, the uh, the co-host from the couch, there it is, and the Brad Davis that God gave us, my co-host and friend, Brad Davis. Happy Oscars, Chris. It's Oscar season. Brad, it's like the night before Christmas over here. Oh, I love it. How do you feel about the Oscars this year? The thoughts? Because it was a weird movie year. We have, it's later than usual, the ceremony. More movies were eligible. For instance, Judas and the Black Messiah 
a 2021 picture nominated for the 2020 Oscars. I mean, they had more room, but I, I think overall this was this will go down as a very good year for movies. I mean, at least top end. Like, I think obviously middle ground. You lost a little something just because a lot of things weren't released. But I think as far as the you know Oscar type movies, the quality films this year, I think it's a very good year. Excellent, I do too. And I found myself liking way more independent films this year, um, or independent and smaller films that you know I usually try to tend towards those anyway, but. Uh, well, those were like the only things that exactly. <laughs> but I mean, how many more people get to see Sound of Metal or First Cow or uh, maybe even Promising Young Woman than would normally have seen? You know, very possible. Yeah, it's true. Things were more available to people who sometimes you know can't go to the movie theater. Obviously, we couldn't this year, but wouldn't usually even be able to go to the movie theaters. So having it more accessible at home probably got more eyes on things. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brad, here's the big question. This year, bring it. What wins yeah. best picture? What's your prediction? I think it's Nomadland, and I, I think it's kind of a done deal. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm pretty confident that's in the bag. Yeah. I, um. I, I, nothing else has really won it to make me think that it could lose. I mean, there is a there's a theory that Mank could win. Hollywood loves a movie about Hollywood. David Fincher arguably deserves the best. Uh, an Oscar somewhere in his on his mantle, yeah. Uh, and I just, uh, Trial of Chicago Seven was I the first, think the first hot one out of the gate, and I think they would also I think the Academy would be very pleased with themselves to honor Aaron Sorkin as well as much as maybe the rest of us wouldn't be. I don't know. I feel like he I like Sorkin. I feel like he's a turnoff to a lot of people in ways. So that might be true for even people who vote. Uh, I think Trial of Chicago 7 has a better chance than Mank simply because it actually, I believe, won the SAG for Best Ensemble. So that's at least like a Best Picture win. I'm doing quotation marks as if people, air quotes as if people can see them. I think that gives Trial of Chicago 7 a better chance than Mank, that at least it won something. Brad, I mentioned that this was the Oscar throwback edition. So for Oscar throwback, we give our guests the choice of any movie nominated for Best Picture from 10 years ago, 25 years ago, 50 years ago, or 75 years ago. They've got a bevy of films to choose from. And our guest went straight for the 2011 Oscar ceremony hosted by James Franco and Anne Hathaway, as we all remember <laughs> that one fondly. And she was uh, like, you know, you know what I would want to watch? Inception. And we were like, oh, but you can't do that. We already did an episode on that. So could you choose another one? And she was like, sure. And she picked Black Swan from the year of our Lord 2010, directed by Darren Aronofsky, written by Mark Heyman, Andres Hines, John J. McLaughlin have the screenplay credits, and Andres Hines has the sole story by credit. Oh boy, I have been wanting to revisit this film since the only time I saw it, which was in this in 2010 when it came out. And I loved it then. It may have lost a little shine for me, but I still really enjoyed it. But we can get into that. Let's get to the person who chose this movie. Our guest, a great friend of the show for many years. So happy to have her back. A very talented writer. Chickagunia is here. Hello. Chick, welcome to the show. So happy to have you, you on you. again for another Oscar spectacular. I love the Oscars. I just can't get enough of them. 
I used to host a, an Oscars party, which was really just everyone in your own homes. And then I will live tweet my reactions. Uh, <laughs> but then I stopped doing that. I think when the Moonlight debacle happened. Sure. That oh. was my last like live tweeted Oscars. It's a good one to go out. <laughs> go out while you're ahead. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you think about this year? What's winning Best Picture? I have to agree with Brad. I would say Nomadland um, because I was in a similar situation when I was in high school and we used to do a like a theater competition where it was the Tonys for high school. And the one year that Wild Lake won for Pippin, they didn't win Best Actor. They didn't win Best Choreography. They didn't win any of the other awards, but they won Best Musical and everybody was up in arms. They were like, they didn't win anything. And I was like, yeah, but if you think about the the entire thing as a whole, they did really great. And I think Nomadland really as a whole is a really good film. And I think other films are more, the acting was amazing, but like I'm not super sold on the cinematography or the direction or any of that. I think it is a very well-made film. I see where the Amazon controversy uh, comes in. I don't know if I totally agree with it because it's not trying to be that anti-Amazon movie. And honestly, a lot of this movie looks pretty miserable despite the kind of optimistic view the movie has of about this lifestyle. So I, I didn't look at it and be like, wow, I want to work for Amazon. So, uh, but that's just me. I, I do think it should win, especially considering I think Mank and, and Trial of Chicago 7. Both the films I did like, just I don't want them near my best picture is all. <laughs> well, do you guys have any big uh, snubs or or love that you of the nominations? Anything you feel is so wrong or just spot on right that you'd like to highlight? I'm kind of beside myself that Delroy Lindo wasn't nominated for Divide Bloods. I When I saw that movie in June, I was like, well, this is an obvious oscar-winning performance and the fact that it wasn't even nominated is kind of still making my head spin a little bit <laughs> yeah i mean i kaluuya for me is the performance the performance of the year for me so i'm i'm rooting big time for him i think he's gonna win so personally i very much loved andre day's rendition of billy holiday like her performance it was insane and i think she deserves all the awards for it in a different way it was funny my mom was mad because she was like not viola davis and i was like first of all watch the movie <laughs> and then tell me <laughs> that andre day did not carry that entire film in a way that viola davis did not have to because of the source material like chadwick is another big character he's got a big arc to go through but there's not there's none of that in united states versus billy holiday yeah and sorry, Lee Daniels, I mean, this isn't his strongest film by any means. Uh, Not at he all. He is lucky to have that performance to elevate and keep that movie going. Because, again, like, th this was a year she for me. She killed it. Oh, destroyed it. Like, it was really great. But it was it's a strange year for me where I feel like there was a lot of movies that I'm like, yeah, I didn't really like this. Like, I, I nitpicked a lot of parts where I'm like, this is bad, but I kind of like the movie. <laughs> like, I felt like Trial of Chicago 7. I was like, I have so many problems with this movie, but... I kind of liked it, like, to be honest. I mean, that's that's classic Sorkin. That is <laughs> that is epitome Sorkin. Like, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. Do I kind of have a problem with a lot of it and find it annoying? Yes, <laughs> yeah. but in the end, I liked it. Yeah, Nomadland, same same way. I was like, yeah, I kind of liked it. I little problems. I don't think it's it's not in my top ten of the year. So, 
that movie put me through a, that is an emotional movie i cried a lot in that movie and I that, also it cried. was very affecting i only cried once like uh i had like three different three different monologues in that movie broke me down obviously to each their own but that movie would definitely hit me and then obviously the it's gorgeous it's filmed beautifully so yeah i went on it's a in date my top 10. not expecting to cry and then i was sobbing and i was like i'm so sorry <laughs> you know it's funny the high on film awards the first annual high on film awards are going on right now as we speak which is very nice and there is uh, an award for best tearjerker of the year so i'm very much looking forward to seeing those results all right well we're getting a little away from the oscars as we should because we have a movie to talk about chick why Black Swan? What what drew you to this movie? Well, um, in the list, it's the other movie that I connected with the most most when I watched it, not because of my like whatever seven years that I was a ballet dancer. I wasn't I was nowhere near Swan Queen. <laughs> I wasn't even in the pageant. I did not know you were a ballet dancer. I am fascinated by that. Uh, you know, when you grow up in a in a community like Columbia, you make your kids do every single thing. I also did figure skating. Hmm. So that's a thing. Wow. Ballet on ice. Ballet on ice. And then I did basketball and sometimes I did golf. Hmm. It was a wild time to be in the, <laughs> in the suburbs. But uh, I chose uh, this film birds. because I watched it uh, December 2010 in a resort in Vegas because my parents took us to Vegas for Christmas and my sister and I were too young to do any of the Vegas things. So we were like, I guess we'll go watch Black Swan. Like, it's got to be great, right? Natalie Portland, Mila Kunis, like sounds and ballet. Great. And then we watched it and I was like, oh, that was not a Christmas film. <laughs> it's not a fun watch. No, for sure. that was no Grinch. Yeah, this is a body horror film. I mean, it is... One, I will say, not a big fan of body horror. I can tolerate this level, though, and I, I, I do think this pulls off some pretty cool effects with that. But before we go any further into the movie, if you haven't seen it, or maybe you saw it in 2010 for the last time, and you need a brief catch-up before listening to the rest of the show, Brad and I have prepared an original trailer, and it goes like this. In a world of immense professional pressure and constant sexual assault, one woman just wants to dance. Do you have any corrections? Natalie Portman is Nina Sayers, a ballerina given her shot at the lead when ageism takes the career of the star before her. You always said you were such a frigid little girl. What did you do to make him change his mind? When she's unexpectedly cast as the lead of Swan Lake, She'll be pushed to embrace her dark side. We all know the story. Virgin girl, pure and sweet, trapped in the body of a swan. But can she survive the change? This rule's destroying you. With an overbearing dance mom with her own broken dreams. You've been drinking. Ding, 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 ding. A duplicitous understudy. No, but she wants my role. Every dancer in the world wants a role and a manipulative director who sexually assaults his dancers, Nina will be driven insane in the pursuit of perfection. It's just trying to be perfect like you. But will the real black swan please stand up? Lose yourself. 
Fox Searchlight Pictures presents a psychological body horror ballet film. Done to death, I know, but not like this. Mila Kunis, Vincent Cassell, Barbara Hershey, and Oscar winner Natalie Portman. I'm the Swan Queen, you're the one who never left the court. Mila! Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan. I've never been to the ballet. I just want to be perfect. Okay, everybody gets a drink of water, then it snows. Hmm? Oh, chilling. Just sends goosebumps across your skin. Just the goose flesh riding up your arm, huh? The swan uh, flesh. Swan flesh, yes. yes. Is there a big difference between geese and swans? Let's dig deep into this, actually. <laughs> There's an episode uh, of Animals that goes into this. Oh, good. All right. Well, we'll check that out. That's that's the what are you going to do next for me. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And now it's time for Trash. Star. Destroy. That's right, it's Trash Star Destroy, our favorite game to play on the podcast. We give you three movies of a similar ilk and ask you to make the tough decisions. You must trash one, which means it's eliminated from existence. You get to star in one for whatever role your fragile ego would like to take for yourself. And of course, then the third movie must be destroyed, which means that the only version of that film that has ever existed has been both written and directed by Mr. Michael Bay of The Island fame. Ah, uh, the island. So, uh, we already talked about it. The star of Black Swan, Natalie Portman. It is her three Oscar-nominated movies. It's our Oscar spectacular, after all. So, closer for Best Supporting Actress nomination. Black Swan, her win. And Jackie, her most recent. Grace with Oscar gold. <laughs> closer, Black Swan and Jackie. Trash, star, destroy. I think... I'm gonna star in Jackie. Okay. I, I, Interesting. It's this is a hard one because I would either star in Black Swan or Jackie, and I loved Black Swan the first time I saw it. The second time, I still like it a lot. I have a lot of respect for it, Portman in particular. Um, but I think, uh, I, I think it would be. I think I'd fit better in Jackie. Not that I, I would take Sarsgaard's role as Bobby Kennedy. You get like a couple really good scenes in there not that i would be a like me as a kennedy would be hilarious trying to do that accent um but i think i i think i would fit better in that movie and i think ultimately i might like that movie more it's more enjoyable which black swan while respectable is not really enjoyable so i think i'm taking bobby kennedy in jackie which then means what am i doing with black swan think i gotta trash it i trash black swan because i i mean you still would have portman but with bay running the show man and you know dancers like that gets that could get really bad with michael bay really fast um so i'm gonna trash it and then give michael bay closer which i actually would like to see him have to direct closer was a play right it's a play adaptation yeah yeah uh, about, so it's I, quite a sexy play. I oh, I've seen that. it. I've seen it. I saw it recently, actually. I'd never seen it before. I saw it like in the last year, and I was not really a fan. 
Um, it's a little dated, I think. Uh, but it is, I, I like painting Bay into a corner when I can and <laughs> making him do a play adaptation where nothing blows up and there's no guns and there's nothing like that is, is fun. Those are my choices. Chick, what are you doing here? All right. Well, I've thought about this a lot, um, but not enough to watch closer. So <laughs> You don't need to. You're good. You're really I'm good. I'm going to star as Veronica in Black Swan. Um, if you don't know her, no worries. She's the one who Nina says congratulations to, but she's actually the Swan Queen. And then she comes back and she's oh. like, why would you say something like that? Um, because I love to play a bitch. Uh, <laughs> that's really all. I love you in that role, actually. That would be right? fantastic. Nails it. Crush. Cameo star. I love it. Great choice. And then because of that, I'm going to have to trash Jackie because no one actually watched it anyway. Oh, I like Jackie. <laughs> I did like Jackie, but you're not wrong. But you're not wrong. I remember when she got the nomination, I was like, what the hell was Jackie? And then I was like, but she's going to win, right? She's awesome in that movie. I could, of course she is. I mean, she is so good in that movie. I saw one trailer and I was like, I get the gist. Get it, Natalie. <laughs> that means Closer's going to Bay. Wow, you're doing that too. All right. I'm sorry, Julia Roberts as well. Yeah, she deserves better than that. Well, I think I'm starring in Black Swan as well. I think I'm mm-hmm. going to be the Swan Prince. Okay. You don't want to be Sebastian Stan? You're going to dance. No, no. Well, I'm going to dance because that ends up being Natalie Portman's husband in real life. So yes. I'm going to try okay. to parlay my time with her like he did into ah, a, a romantic relation you know sure i get yeah. that yes this is this is the long con for yeah, you yeah yeah i sebastian stan's part i did think about that very cool did not didn't know him as a star back then forgot very cool he was in this i had there. no idea i was like oh sebastian stan cool yeah very fun and then i think i'm and this is where we have fun i think we're trashing closer and making Michael Bay make the Kennedy assassination movie about Jackie. Oh and man! <laughs> Ooh, you want to oh, talk about shit. painting Michael Bay into a corner? Yeah. Oh man, you're right. Congratulations, that's a that's win good. for you. Thank you. That's yeah. that is well correct. done. Yeah, I will watch that train wreck one time. And <laughs> and Bay's obsessed with the Kennedy assassination. He is. Of course, he it's is. It's in every one yeah. of his films. Someone's like, yes. we got to find out who killed Kennedy. Yeah, it's in Armageddon. They mention it in The Rock. Yep. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He brings up in both of those, and I'm sure there's more. You know, when you have an obsession, you have an obsession. All right, guys. I think we have time for one more category of Trash Star Destroy. Again. Let's do it. This is the throwback edition, so let's do some throwback nominations. Other Best Picture nominees from uh, the year 2010 Academy Awards, which aired in 2011 the 83rd academy awards the james franco and hathaway award show so we will do the social network a film recently covered here on high on film we'll do the kids are all right and the movie chick originally wanted to do inception the social network the kids are all right inception not the king's speech which was actually the best picture winner funny enough who remembered that not me (laughs) (laughs) i did but it's forgettable (laughs) trash star destroy boy it's hard to not star in inception like i could take the josh hutcherson role in kids are all right and be pretty happy about that working with ruffalo julianne moore and annette benning but man it's cool to be in inception i think i'm 
gonna be an inception. <laughs> uh, to I mean, it's hard, man. But it uh, to work with Nolan and to be and the question is, what role do I take? I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's is tempting, though I would want to work with him. But I think he's the one that's got to go. That's a fun role, like the falling around in the ceiling. I think I've chose this on a trash start short before. But <laughs> um, so I'm taking the Joseph Gordon-Levitt role in Inception. I have to trash kids are all right. Cause in Bay's hands, that does that movies, nothing, nothing worthwhile. And that means Michael Bay gets the social network. That movie's going to suck, but it makes a lot of sense. We're going to have fun watching the flames. It's going to burn. It's going to burn. I, I think Michael Bay's social network actually takes place now where Facebook is actually destroying the world. And he kind yes. of focuses in on this this section of the Facebook history. I've seen Sorkin wants to make that movie, and he wants to do it with Fincher. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd watch it. Sure, uh, I'd watch I, the hell out of it. Yeah, I've been trying to convince myself to star in Social Network, actually, but I don't know if I can. Because I would do the Andrew Garfield role. Mm-hmm. Again, long con. Ideally, maybe parlaying myself into two Spider-Man movies. I would add, well done. Even if they're not good, get a chance to be Spider-Man. You take it, Brad. You know, <laughs> no, no, of course, man. I know for you in particular. I, that's big. I think that's the lesson of Into the Spider Verse was if you get a chance to be Spider-Man, you take it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Um, but I think you're right. I think I have to star in Inception. It's just too cool a movie to not be in. I almost want to take the DiCaprio role, but I'm not going to. Otherwise, I think you're right, Brad. <laughs> the JGL part's the one to have. But I'll co-star with you, and I'm kicking out Tom Hardy, and I'm gonna. I'll, Sweet. I'll be him. Oh, that'll be fun. Although I was looking forward to working with Tom Hardy, but well, yeah, sorry. that'll be fun. Well, we're in. Yeah, we're in Inception. Maybe we could parlay this into roles in some of the Batman movies, like there The Dark go. Knight Rises, which shot in Pittsburgh, and it's not very good. Yeah, but hey, you get a chance to be in a Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Perfect. Chick, what are you doing with these movies? Well, I uh, am not. I'm not gonna reinvent the wheel. Uh, I'm going to take Elliot Page's role in Inception. Snatch that right up. We, we got a movie myself going. a role in the Umbrella Academy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There exactly. you go. Exactly. That was a really fun. Show. Then I'm gonna trash the kids are all right because it can go. I loved it, but it can go. Yeah. And then I'm gonna give Michael Bay the Social Network. And I didn't even think about Facebook. Now that'd be great. Burn, blow it up. Hey, hey, do Facebook 50 years from now and set it in like a Terminator post-apocalyptic hellscape. I'm down. And all the Terminators have little Facebook Fs on the side of their face. <laughs> I just want to say I love the idea of the three of us hanging out with Leonardo DiCaprio in a movie. That is yes. just a very funny vibe going on there that would be really funny. I like Leo looking around and seeing us three instead of like other movie, <laughs> like up-and-coming movie stars and being like... Am I being accepted right now? He's <laughs> like, who the fuck are you guys? Who are you guys? Where's my top? <laughs> I need to spin that top. But yeah, I that's that's the way to go, guys. Yeah, kids are all right. So sorry, trash. But Michael Bay's The Social Network. Great movie. Very interested. Yeah. Oh God, I can't wait. Oscar that... winner twenty twenty three. I'm calling it. <laughs> yeah. Finally, Michael Bay gets his Oscar. Finally. Uh 
Long overdue. Well, with that, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more High on Film, more Oscar spectacular fun with Chickagunya after this. Craving stories of athletes pushing themselves to the point of destruction? Then reach for Darren Aronofsky's previous film, The Wrestler. While Black Swan deals with the collapse of the mind, The Wrestler grapples with the breaking down of the body. Originally conceived as one film, it was smartly divided into two, earning Natalie Portman her Oscar, while Mickey Rourke gets his nomination by basically playing himself if he were just a little more into wrestling. A tragic turn of the American dream so blue-collar, Bruce Springsteen wrote a song for the soundtrack. Love, pain, glory. Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler. Brutal, bloody, shameless about guns. No, we're not talking about the new Michael Bay movie. These words can also be used to describe our next group of films. The nominees for Best Punch, Fight, or Kill are Michael Jordan Punches Steve Kerr, The Last Dance Harley Quinn Storms the Police Station Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn Sonic the Hedgehog Slow Motion Bar Fight, Sonic the Hedgehog Andy in the Church, The Old Guard And The Protagonist versus the Inverted Man, Tenet And the winner is Harley Quinn for storming the police station in Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Congratulations, Margot. With James Gunn's Suicide Squad set to release this year, she could be a strong contender to win this again next year. For our next category, much like the tightening budget of a public school, we're pitting athletics against the theater department. It's best play. What's unique about this category is that the nominees can either feature great sports movie moments or be films adapted from the stage. And the nominees are Hamilton, One Night in Miami, One Night in Miami, Cassius Clay vs. Sonny Liston, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and The Last Dance, Jordan's pull-up jumper in the 98 finals. And the winner is Hamilton. Congratulations, Lynn. Finally. Somebody giving this production the credit it deserves. Welcome back to High On Film for the Oscar Spectacular Part 1, The Throwback. We're doing Black Swan with Chikagunya. Here it is. We're digging into it. We're getting into the movie, the real nitty gritty, the, the swan flesh of it all. It's time for scene work. We're going to rank uh, the next two segments, the top three and the bottom three scenes or components of this film. We're an optimistic podcast, so let's start things off optimistically with... Best scene! What's number three best scene? For me, the third best scene is in the later half, later part of the movie when... Portman goes to Winona Ryder in the hospital. You see they have an exchange. It's tense. And Winona Ryder starts stabbing herself in the face. Yeah. And and, uh, Nina Portman's character runs out, gets into the elevator, and then revealing, like, freaked out and revealing the elevator that she's holding the knife. Um, Or the, whatever it was. Nail file, I believe. Yeah, nail file. It was a nail file. 
I mean, that scene, it, it's one of the ones in this movie where it's ambiguous what happened there. I mean, you assume Portman stabbed her in the face. Um, well, I mean, I, yeah. Do you want to get into it? What's real? What's not real? I mean, uh, it's all subjective, but I mean, I think the reality of that scene is that Portman stabbed her in the face. I think that's 100% mm. it. Maybe and I think, under the guise of Black Swan when she's being Nina. Yeah. Or Lily, sorry. Lily is Mila Kunis. Nina is Natalie Portman. Uh, but yeah, when she's being Lily, the Black Swan, I think that's why she kind of blacks out and kind of, you know, kind of like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde's it. Right. And and I think in that instance, yeah, she does it. She stabs her in the face and books it out of there. Yeah, and that reveal that the nail file is in her hand is great. Good number three. Chick, what's your number three? My number three is when she discovers that she stabbed herself. So, like, it's when Lily comes to the um, to her dressing room after she thinks that she's killed her and stashed her in the bathtub, as one does. <laughs> well, and when you're Lily's there, time crunch. <laughs> Yeah, you got a time crunch. You, what are you going to do? Cut it up and put it in the dumpster? You're in the middle of an intermission. 15 minutes, yeah. folks. So Lily comes and is like, by the way, you're doing so great, sweetie. I love you. And then leaves. And she's like, that bitch is not dead. Um, and then she's like sw- swimming, going around the room. And then when she finally like lifts up the towel, I just love that moment because I love clean things. <laughs> and I remember watching that in 2010, like, that is going to be so messy when she picks that up. Like there's no way that that's enough to clean up the blood. It's a regular target towel. There's no way. And when it came up clean, I was like, my OCD really felt euphoria in that (laughs) moment. But also I think she acts it so well. It's just so like, I'm like huffing and puffing with her. I'm like, where the hell is Mila? How is she alive? What is real? And then she pulls a chunk of mirror out of her. She really stabbed herself. Yeah, and she kind of, and I also love the way she like puts the makeup back on. She's been like crying because she's like, "I've killed myself." The show must go <laughs> yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Hey, Nina is nothing if not a consummate performer. So mm-hmm. I, 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 she's a director's dream. Oh, absolutely. Well, unless you're Toma, who has some big problems <laughs> with her. Toma loved it. He, he can't get it ever again. True. Yeah, she, she was able to achieve perfection. Uh, but great. That is a wonderful scene. I really, really like that. And yeah, and I love that Lily gives her that like backhanded compliment too, where she's like, I thought you weren't going to be good, but like you turned, you've done some things that are really surprising me. I'm like, ah, oh, well done. You alive bitch. You bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you alive bitch. <laughs> Number three for me is actually when Nina's trying to appease Toma as the black swan in the large rehearsal room. And He's like pushing her and pushing her and she's spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning as fast as she can mm. on his, on Tomas' demands. And then Lily enters and she sees it. And the way the camera like kind of stops the spin and to clock Lily entering and you see Portman falter a little bit and then that kind of uh, snowballs into her kind of falling down. I I just love the way it was filmed. I love the clear just, hey, look, Lily is obviously going to be a very big distraction and the antagonist to our protagonist here. The pressure that you see Nina is under is just very palpable. Like, my hands were getting sweaty just listening to Toma, like, just bark at her over and over again. Uh, I really liked it. It's a smaller moment. I thought it was really well done. Good choice. Number two. Number two for me was actually the same scene Chick chose. 
Uh, I mean, it's the reveal. Yeah, it's I'm a sucker for a good reveal. And I mean, I guess I would connect it to the scene where she kills Mila Kunis or at least thinks she does. Because now, I mean, that scene definitely turns the movie even more than it's already been constantly turning. And you think like, oh, my God, now she's committed murder and she's on stage just still performing like nothing happened and actually doing the best she's done. And then to come back and see that and for when Kunis shows up at the door, what a great reveal and Portman plays it perfectly. And yeah, that that whole it really the whole climax is pretty phenomenal from top to bottom. Chick, two? Okay, my number two. <clears throat> when I just to preface this, when I saw this in the theater and this moment happened, my sister and I burst out laughing and no one else did. Maybe it's the Vegas of it all. I don't know. But they were not having fun like we were. So my number two is when she is touching herself in the morning and turns around and her mom is there. Yeah. I think that's hysterical. It's really funny. But also, like, no one in the theater was laughing. We were like, oh. Well, it is fairly devastating, I think, too. I mean, it's like, oh, my God, because she's finally letting go in her own sexuality. And it's revealed that... There's Mummy Dearest. Which also, there's a few things here that really suggest that there is some sexual abuse going on in that relationship. Yes. So, almost surely. Kind of all adding to the further horror of our character of Nina in her... One of her first sexual experiences? I mean, she claims that she's not a virgin. She's a liar. To Toma, yeah. It, that seems very unlikely. Uh, my number two is kind of a, a just a general praise for the film, and it is Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis. I love the casting of these two. I think they play so well off each other, both when they're getting along and when they're antagonizing one another. I think it's, not only do they look great, as foils they just have good rhythm and yeah and it plays into their kind of perceived personal personas too and i like the way that happens and i like that they both made fraternal twin films around the same time in friends with benefits and uh no strings attached yeah (laughs) but yeah i I was gonna say because the no strings attached is like the more uppity version of friends with benefits Mm. and that's how they are in black swan but it's great. I love them both uh, 100% of the time that they are on screen in this film. And that sex scene's really hot. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, throw that in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, we're had, we had to talk about it at some point. I mean, I mean yeah. It had to be discussed. Yeah. Absolutely. It will continue to be discussed. Great. Is that your number one? <clears throat> yeah. Um, my num- Well, actually, my number one is, uh, it's like that whole run. Because it starts in the taxi. Then they're in her room and then it goes all the way until the next day when Mila Kunis confronts her and she's like, was I good? (laughs) Yeah. So funny. Her delivery is perfect. Yeah, it really is. Oh, you did. You did fantasize about me. Was I good? She's so excited. Yeah. (laughs) Not even like, we don't need to get into weirdness, but like, was I good? Or is this like awkward? Like you thought I was bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's really well done. And again, a great reveal of, hey, what just happened or didn't happen and our main character is not at all reliable no, no. <laughs> uh, but clearly i think the sex scene did not happen i think that was again a, a masturbatory Def- fantasy definitely brad number one uh well number one for me is actually similar to yours chris um i mean it's 
Kunis is great too. It's Portman. I mean, Portman carries this whole movie uh, for a character who doesn't say a lot and particularly early on um, how much she mumbles. Like she really leaned into that well of like being this kind of beaten down character. Uh, And I'll, Reference specifically, though, the bathroom stall scene when she gets the part and calls her mom. I'm pretty sure that was her Oscar scene. And it's it's not flashy, really, in any way. But she, her excitement in that scene and just the emotion she carries throughout this entire movie is what makes it as good as it actually is. Otherwise, like a, a lesser actress, you know, you, you can see it's well shot. You get a lot of. Uh, good elements in this movie but without her it's it's just really not on the close to the same level and she absolutely deserved the oscar so for me it's portman for number one nice yeah my number one is a unique scene here that we have not talked about yet it's actually the first nina transformation into the black swan uh like i said i'm not a big body horror fan but man this sequence is awesome uh, I think it's she starts where uh, Anita gets home and she's so mad at her mom. And she starts ripping down her pictures because she's kind of losing it already. And the pictures are kind of laughing mm-hmm. at her. And just the the red eyes just aesthetically look so good. And the feather, the tiny feather, like just pulling it out of her shoulder. And it just, oh, it's such a cool effect. It looks great. Oh, when the shins break into the bird legs, like right before we cut. I I mean, it's obviously a little bit of an homage to The Fly, uh, but man, I, that was a movie I probably saw too young, but always, always loved because of that. And it's just, maybe that's why this is my number one scene, because I I loved The Fly so much when I was oh, seven, seeing that movie. <laughs> uh, thanks, Mom. Um, but yeah, it made me love this scene so much, and I, I thought it was great. Not to mention the other body horror effects they do with, like, during the sex scene with Lily's shoulder blades rolling and, like, the wings trying to, like, pop out. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do love the rolling patches of, of swan flesh, too. I think it looks so cool, and, like, what a subtle little thing to keep rolling over Nina in, in certain shots. It's really great. Yeah, and the webbed feet, like, the oh, way yeah, they the lean into feet. that, all of that is great. Yeah, that's a great choice. It's funny because it's very it's very horrific in those scenes. And then when she's spinning on stage and she literally turned like there's the she grows full wings. It's like all of a sudden beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Because I don't like body horror. Yeah. I'll tell you what hits me harder in this movie, though. I cringe more at the cuticle thing and the cracked oh. and the cracked toenail thing than I do at any of the swan horror stuff. I have experienced, I still pick my nail beds in the skin and it goes, and I refer to it as me going black swan, and then I'm like, we need to talk to the doctor about this. (laughs) I'm sorry, that is, I can feel the pain right now. Yeah, that finger thing is, that's probably the biggest thing in this movie, and we're like, oh my god, Uh, I... Freaked out. That was my euphoric moment. I was so relieved to find out that that wasn't real when she like snaps <laughs> out of it and her finger's fine. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, if there's a best scene, that means there's a worst scene. What are the bottom three scenes of Black Swan? We'll start with number three, third to last. 
Uh, mine are small things because this movie's pretty well done. Mm-hmm. So number three for me is when Toma says that it's going to be Black Swan like you've never seen it before, though, like broken down more. I was like, and then you see what it is like. I haven't seen Black Swan, but I have a pretty good feeling that Black Swan's pretty much always done the same way. The main difference is that she plays both birds, which is just what you do when you don't have enough ballerinas. Yeah, and it's called Swan Lake. What did I say? Black Swan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Black Swan's the movie. The, the ballet is Swan Lake. <laughs> Sorry, yes. that's. Um, but yeah, I he says that, and I'm just like, and then you see it, like, okay, so you just spent less on the production. You made it more simple, so you spent less money, and that's... That's what made it different. Number three. My number three is when Nina licks the frosting for her cake off her mother's finger. Sure. Why? Yep. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, I get it. It's an abusive mother-daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. That part, no matter. I just, I'm like, wow. Yeah, that's gross. This is a real (laughs) nitpicky thing for me. My number three. And I don't even know if I can really stand by it, but I needed something. I I didn't really find too much to, to not like about this. I thought the mirror bits were just a little obvious. And I know we're doing the, we're swapping faces in the shadows and there's this whole foil slash dichotomy motif going on, but it's the mirror parts are just like one step too far for me. Now, again, at the end makes sense because she has mirror in her. So I kind of, again, like retroactively was like, maybe not the best worst scene I could come up with. But it was almost all I had. And again, like, you're a body horror movie. You're a psychological horror movie. We don't need a cheap horror joke from every other horror movie in this, you know, almost more mature film. So, small thing. Doesn't really bother me, but I had to write something. Number two. Number two, also a very small thing, is Nina puts, when she's in her bathroom and, like, wants to keep her mom out, she just puts the hamper in front of the door. This small hamper that would do absolutely nothing to keep anybody out. Not only that, her mother never tried. Never tried. And she puts this hamper as if that's going to do a damn thing. Nina's naive. Yeah, I guess that's maybe what it is. But I was just watching that thinking to myself, you don't realize that will do nothing? Okay. Keep doing it. (laughs) All right, dum-dum. Yeah. Again, small thing, but I... Just she does it a couple times, and each time I thought it was dumb. My number two is another mother daughter moment. It's where her mom is chopping her nails with scissors. Oof. They like built nail clippers way before this movie. Just clip them. When I was a kid, my mom used to cut our nails with scissors, we, but we had a pair of like, scissors set aside. We did too. Ours were like small, but we ours we had like actual like small little. Scissors meant for nails. Yeah. They were scissors. They weren't like, ah, got it. I was so upset. I was like, she's just doing this for abuse. This is just the possibility that I'll hurt my child. Or you could just use nail clippers. Well, I think it's easier when you're a child. Not to say Nina is a a child, because she's clearly not. But I think it's easier when you're a child because your nails aren't as strong. I can't imagine cutting my Mm. nails today with scissors. But I think you're right. I think maybe that is uh, hinting at some more abuse that she's and and infantilization of Nina Mm. as well. Good word. Yes. Unlike 
my number three, my number two actually really bothers me. It is Tomas red herring tap. It's Tomas interest. So he, he enters into the movie. He enters into the ballet studio and all the girls have to dance this happy little ditty from Swan Lake, I assume. And they're all doing the, their movements. They're all doing the routine and he's going around the room selectively, slowly, gently tapping, but very, very selectively, like very deliberately tapping these girls one by one on the shoulder. And you're watching, you're like, he's got to pick Natalie Portman, right? He's got to pick Natalie Portman. And he doesn't. And he's like, thank you. And then just to be like, those of you who I tapped, go on to your classes. Those of you I didn't tap, you are the ones auditioning for Swan Lake. And I just hate that stupid red herring and I would be beside myself if someone actually did that to me in real life where, you know, I really wanted a certain part or something. I would, oh, I'm getting mad just talking about it. <laughs> I mean, people definitely do that, though. I mean, there are I know, people and that's, absolutely do that shit. Uh, Dick and they're moves, assholes. Yes. 100%. They suck. But again, I guess maybe Tomah is not supposed to be the best guy here. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it. No. Fair. Does not seem like it. To say the least. All right, guys. Bottom of the barrel. What are the worst scenes of Black Swan? I'm going to actually just take this and go first because it's already been said. And Brad, I can't believe you called this a little thing. The fact that this is not a new version of Swan Lake oh. that is different <laughs> or innovative in almost any way is ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> it's so predictable to cast the same actress as both. I mean, it's, I just, it blows my mind. <laughs> but Darren Aronofsky had to have something, I guess. So. I guess. Yeah, it's dumb. It's real dumb. He's like, what makes ballet special? <laughs> I mean, I guess, I, mean I, I guess if I was going to make an argument for it, I feel like that's a thing that directors whether it's theater or whatever constantly say is like like you've never seen it before and it's like it's always like yeah no we've seen it that way before yeah so i feel like it's you could argue that that's more of a bullshit thing that everyone says right but yeah it's dumb it's real dumb <laughs> all right what about you guys what's what's the worst thing in this movie for you the worst thing for me is the scene where i don't even remember what day or time it happens but they're doing rehearsal and Tama makes her stay late and he's like feel my touch and then he's like uh that was me seducing you you should yeah. do that as <laughs> I, <laughs> it's just so it's assault and it's also yes. just you're sedu that was seduction she's just a child literally in the brain she doesn't really know what you're doing <laughs> i just Tama is I will rather think of him as the French guy in Ocean's 12 than the French guy in Black Swan. Oh, do you really want to think about Ocean's 12 too much? Always. <laughs> oh, fair. That movie can do no wrong. Uh, 12? I haven't. I, the whole franchise. Right. There's some questionable oh, ones, but I love all of them. I can't wait to have you back for Ocean's 12. <laughs> Brad, what's the worst thing in Black Swan? The scene where I, I believe Toma, it's it's Natalie Portman is like watching Lily rehearse, like from up above, and Toma comes up behind her and says he says some he says a lot of things like kind of already pitting them against each other, and says, "Look, she's effortless." And then you watch Mila Kunis like spin and spin and like run into somebody, 
and she's, she's a mess. Like, and she's like, oh, sorry. And like is kind of like, you know, a little flirtatious or whatever. But he's saying he's sitting there say, acting like she's doing it perfectly and she's letting herself go and doing it effortlessly. And she just crashes into somebody. Yeah, it's really that she just doesn't have her hair tied. Like her hair is just free and open and that's all. Yeah. They have those tight buns for a reason. Although, again, she looked very pretty spinning around with her hair all flayed out like that. For sure. Mila Kunis, sure. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I know. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for Milkin' It. America's favorite podcast game. We're going to do a number of things here. We're going to roll out the big computer of Hollywood Ideas 2000. And it's going to give us, uh, after we put our names into the proper input area, it's going to spit out a a readout for us. It's going to give us two pieces of information to remake this movie, Black Swan, under those parameters. One, we're going to get a time length, uh, a pitch time, if you will. You'll be provided 30 seconds, what we call the... Elevator pitch, one American minute for the water cooler pitch, or a minute and a half for the boardroom pitch. Get your film idea out and into Hollywood. The other piece of information the big computer is going to give us is what genre is this movie? Is there a certain actor that has to be cast in the lead role? Is there a director that's already been attached? You'll get that, and then you can let your imagination run wild. So, let's... Roll out the old computer here and see what she has for us today. All right. Oh, computer. (laughs) You got Chick going first, our guest. Terrific. I almost read it wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So you'll be doing Thank the elevator goodness. pitch. 30 seconds to get out Black Swan. Oh, this is very appropriate. As a costume drama slash period piece. Costumes play a big part in this movie, so. They sure do. That plays into your favor. Now it's me. And I say now it's me because that's how I say now all the time. Not like I was going to say my name before. I'll be going second. The water cooler pitch. One American Minute. Oh, and my my version of Black Swan is now going to be produced by Studio Ghibli because Hayao Miyazaki is going to be directing this. Very interesting. It's good. I, I've I've recently watched some Miyazaki, some more Miyazaki, I should say, because of HBO Max. Great plug. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's coming up a lot. They're my favorite streaming yeah. service. Ah, oh, best movies. Yeah, best movie collection. Oh yeah, it's curated. It's really great. All right, Brad, that leaves you with the boardroom pitch. A minute and a half, 90 seconds in front of the executives at the top of the skyscraper. And you're doing Black Swan in the age-old tradition of the slapstick comedy. Ah, yes. Of course, it fits perfectly. Yeah, lends itself easily. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick moment to gather our thoughts, and we'll be back with three brand new movies for your listening enjoyment. Right after this. All right, welcome back. We're right in the middle of milking it. Oh boy, what an exciting trio of movies we have for you tonight. We're starting off with the elevator pitch and our guest, Chick. 
you were assigned a costume drama slash period piece. Title and quick summary. What do you got? The elevator doors are closing. Go ahead. Two queens fight to become the mother when their mother is indisposed. In 1980s New York, where we lay our scene, one queen becomes a little too familiar with the drug scene and starts losing her wig. She's seeing Whitney in her studio apartment. Ronald Reagan is chopping her nails at a salon, but her eyes are on the prize. She's not going to lose her spot. She's going to hit the stage one way or another, but her death drop might hit too hard. Nice. That's Disco Swan. Disco Swan. I like uh, it. Great name. Yeah. I am absolutely going to see a movie Nick called Disco Swan. <laughs> I was trying to do how they like introduce movies at the Oscars, and they go, ladies and gentlemen, Moonlight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a family rides a yellow Volkswagen across America for a young girl's beauty passion. <laughs> this is Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> All right, guys. This is not a little bit of sunshine. This is my water cooler pitch. One American minute to do Black Swan as directed by Hayao Miyazaki. So I, I think I got something good here. I'm very, I'm very proud of this. I'm glad I watched Ponyo and Porco Rosso recently. Just going to name drop those. But this is a little more, <laughs> this is a little more spirited away. Yeah, let's go for it. Here we go. Okay. A family, a mom, a dad, and a daughter, Ika, move down the street from a picturesque lake. The only, strangely, it doesn't attract any fowl whatsoever. No ducks, no swans, no geese, no birds. Ika, the little girl, has just started a new school and has a crush. While she laments her loves me, loves me not by the lake, picking the petals off flowers, she is, uh, she attracts the attention of a ghost. A ghost swan. She finds out, uh, oh, scary at first. Not, say, like, Princess Mononoke scary, but, like, spirited away kind of spirits. But they eventually win each other's trust. We learn that she's the swan queen. And we learn her history, that she ended up killing herself for love. And now she haunts this lake as a ghost swan. Uh, so she tries to mentor the little girl and tries to teach and guide her uh, so that she doesn't fall into the same romantic traps and tragic ending as she did. And as Ika finds that young love can be quite complicated. In Ika and the Swan Queen. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Well done. Thank That's you. That's very good. I'd watch that. I mean, I feel like it'd be part of the film festival circuit. You know, you do all your Miyazakis at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. I think it'd be great. It'd be really fun. You can make all kinds of double, triple feature Miyazakis with it. Cosplay. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Well, come on. Merchandise. We're thinking of franchise. This is here. milking it, all right? <laughs> it, it's all about the money. Milking it has always been about the money. It'll always be about the money. And what makes more money than a good slapstick comedy, right? Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Good. All right, Brad, especially nowadays. Yeah, Brad. Hey, the guy who made Dumb and Dumber just won an Oscar. <laughs> Not, True. Yeah, Green Book was a great slapstick movie. <laughs> Brad. <clears throat> yes. Boardroom pitch. 90 seconds on the clock. You ready for this? Yes. I am ready. All right. They're letting you into the office. Take it away. So Nina is a dreamer. She lives at home <laughs> with her mom, who had to give up her dream of becoming a clown so Nina could live her dreams as a slapstick comedian. 
Nina has worked her way up through the Three Stooges slapstick comedy company, and they are casting a new Curly. Nina is desperate to get the role, and Mo and Larry know it. They push her to the brink, pitting her against another slapstick comedian who happens to look like her, who are both vying for the role. And uh, and Nina is starting to lose it a little bit. Before she knows it, she's going bald, and the version of herself in the mirror that she keeps seeing keeps poking her in the eyes. Eventually, she's cast in on the night of the big taping. She hits the rival on the head with a mallet, but it turns out she hit herself on the head with a mallet. And she dies while everyone laughs, which is what she always wanted anyway, to make everyone laugh. So even in death, she accomplishes her dream and her perfection. In the movie, the Three Stooges meet perfection. <laughs> Bravo, my what friend. What a title. <laughs> Thank you. Bravo. It almost sounds like What's that Jerry Lewis movie about the clown who has to like entertain the Jewish kids before they gas him that like never got released? I don't know. It's a real thing. It's a it's it's a tragic comedy that Jerry Lewis yeah. made. He shot it. It's all done, and he edited it together. And then he said, "No one will ever see this," and he locked it away. And it's about uh. it's about a, a Nazi who is forced to dress up as a clown and like entertain the kids before the Nazis like killed them in the holocaust the day the clown cried yes the day the clown cried <laughs> why Dude, couldn't i remember J- that <laughs> and did jerry lewis jerry lewis played the clown yeah and he directed it oh. and everything and he made the whole movie it's edited a, a, a copy sits in his archive somewhere holy shit yeah that's crazy and he watched it and he said this will never see nope. the light of day yep and it is good call jerry I just saw an update on that. Um, <clears throat> it is now at the Library of Congress. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's at the Library of Com- Congress, and it is not allowed to be released before June 2024. Now it is 2021. Whoa, okay. Whoa. That's in three years. Oh, man. There's All nothing right. I love more than a banned movie. Can't wait to do a buzzed-off film play. <laughs> yep. It's well known in Hollywood that at the heart of any truly great film is valuable intellectual property. With sequels, spin-offs, and remakes, nothing is proven to make more money than a psychotically devoted fan base. The nominees for Best Existing IP are The Invisible Man, Bill and Ted Face the Music, Bad Boys for Life, Borat 2, Subsequent Movie Film, Mank. I know one of my favorite existing IPs from last year was the Death at Sunset podcast. What a second season they had. Couldn't agree more, Chris. And the Felix goes to the Invisible Man. Congrats to Elizabeth Moss, Lee Wanell, and the whole Invisible team. Huh, the Invisible Man. Who saw that coming? That's the end of our show. There's only one last thing to do, and that's Brad Davis. You just watched Black Swan. What are you going to do next? I'm going to go actually listen to the two best things Natalie Portman's ever done, mm. which are the Natalie raps. Yeah. With Lonely Island. Yeah. With Lonely Island. I, after, I mean, she's a fantastic actress, but man, those two songs are both absolutely hilarious. And anytime I see Portman, I'm like, well, I got to go either watch the videos of those or 
just listen to them now. So I, I put those on actual playlists. I, yeah, I love them so legit. much. Yeah. They're it's it's amazing. The first one, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh my God, this might be the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. The video. <laughs> what you want, yeah. Natalie? The drink and fight. The drink and fight. <laughs> Chickagoonia, you just watched Black Swan. What are you gonna do next? I'm gonna take a nap. Because it was genuinely I was stressed at the end and I've seen it before and I was just like ah but she killed oh and then it's herself and I was like I was breathing with her and I I felt what she felt fully I feel the sharp pains in my stomach from a stabbing oh Oh, jeez no it's like just so good that I was like I don't want to watch anything else after this (laughs) it's exhausting yeah maybe check out Jackie it's also exhausting (laughs) But she's fantastic. Yeah, she is. Chris Maxwell, you just watched Black Swan. What are you going to do next? Oh, so much, Brad. So much. I don't even have time for all of this. I still, oh I, I'm not going to get to everything that was nominated for the Oscars. The Oscars death race, as they say. I'm not going to do it this year. I think just now I gave up because I just realized how many movies, more movies I'd have to watch. And I'm not going to get to them. <laughs> but I will make... Priority for a couple things I'm missing. I'm missing one animated film that I want to watch. I love animation. I'm missing one best picture. Fucking The Father. I gotta watch that. Uh, Fucking The Father. <laughs> oh, yeah, that yeah. one. Oh, yeah. The Fucking spinoff the from father. Black Swan. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins plays the Barbara Hershey role. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that sucks. That's great casting. Yeah. And, it is very uh, good. There's two docs I still want to see. I still want to see Time... And I still want to see the one that starts with a C that I can't remember right now. Not Crip Camp, but it's Collusion, Convention, Convenience, something like that. I should something all words like that start with C. Yeah, yeah. Covenant? I don't remember. That one. That's the one I want to see. I hear it's really good. <laughs> You're so excited for it. You've been talking about it nonstop. No, I only heard recently it was really good. So I that's why it's on the list. That's why it made the, sh- the short list. <laughs> I also the other thing I want to do is I'm so close to completing Darren Aronofsky's complete filmography. I'm only missing two films, but I don't even know if I want to watch them because I'm very hot or cold on him. I'm very hot on this movie, very cold on Mother. But Pie and the mm-hmm. Fountain are the two I've not seen. Mm. Oh, okay. So yeah, I've not seen those either. Yeah, I cannot help. So thanks, Chick. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you for being on the show. <laughs> It is a pleasure as always to have you, and it is so nice to have you uh, for another Oscar celebration, and thank you for voting in the High on Film Awards. Of course, of course. I love to vote. It's very important. Mm, Amen to that. True story. True story. I voted in 2016 for new M&M flavor, and I chose Honey Nut, and I did not win. Uh. My candidate lost. (laughs) Anything to plug? Um, Yes. Two shows I would like to plug. Season two of Tuca and Birdie will be coming out on Adult Swim at some point this year. And if you're looking at episode nine, you will see a familiar name in the written by credit. There it is. Uh, And then A League of Their Own. I have no idea when that's coming out, but it's uh, a fun show. And I've learned very, very seriously that there is no crying in baseball. That's amazing about Tuca and Birdie. I did not know it was coming back for a second season. Yep, we swindled Cartoon Network. Hell yeah. <laughs> BD, always GP on Twitter and Instagram and wherever you want to find him. That is correct. I'm at Cross Maxwell across your social media accounts. 
High on film, of course, you know where we are. And we will be back next week with part two of our Oscar celebration. We'll be watching whatever wins Best Picture. No, Nomadland? Is that, is that what's going on? Nomadland. All right. I assume. I feel strongly. Like, I'm 90, 98% sure I'm gonna be, we're doing Nomadland next week. I'm starting next week's episode off with a long laugh if it's anything but Nomadland. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. I'll give you a full minute. <laughs> I don't want to laugh on the podcast for a moment. That's terrible radio. Guys, we love you. Thanks for listening. Brad Chick, thanks once again. We'll see you. you next week. Thank you. Goodbye. High on Film is a Maxwell Davis Productions podcast. Original music by Zach Pfeiffer. For more information, follow at High on Film on Twitter and Instagram or email the show at thehighonfilmshow at gmail.com. The nominees for Best post credit Scene are Palm Springs, Wonder Woman, 1984, Bill and Ted Face the Music, Sonic the Hedgehog, and The Five Bloods. And the winner is Palm Springs. Congrats to director Max Barbacal, The Lonely Island, and everyone else whose names we had to sit through to get to that final scene. The High on Film Awards will return in Oscar Spectacular Part 2, Best Picture.